Andrew. How are you? Yeah, good day, James. Good to see you again. Good to see you again. Absolutely. How's things been? Yeah, it's been really good. I've had a really interesting year. Changed yeah. jobs. Yeah, I'm looking and forward is... to getting into that. But I'll start with what are you watching on Netflix at the moment? Yeah, we've been uh, getting stuck into Dairy Girls. I don't know. Do you oh, know that one? No, I haven't. What? What's that? Yeah, so it's set in in Belfast in Ireland, and okay. it's you know it's it's I love uh, sort of teenage school things that are set in school. So you know, yeah. like bad bad education, yeah. lots of those te- teacher shows, you know. Yeah. And this one, this one's um, based around a group of of sort of probably sort of fifteen, sixteen year old girls. Yeah. Right. And. Um, they're really interesting characters, but you have to listen really carefully because of the accent. Yeah. Uh, but it's yeah, it's fantastic. Very funny. Yeah. Um, would bit, would bit, you say it's a bit of a, a comedy? Bit of comedy to yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. With a bit of drama rolled in because it's you know it's set in in Belfast at a time when the IRA were heavily active. So yeah, you know it's kind of their lives tied up in all of that, and it's kind of pretty interesting. So a bit of historical so, part to it as well. Yeah. But but not too not too heavy, yeah. you know. Sometimes yeah. at night you just want something not too heavy. Do you find those uh, sort of like you said that bit of teaching intertwined into to it all? Do you find that a little easier to relate to? Yeah, I think so. But I think it's good professional learning as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I always pick up something. Yeah, um, absolutely. Like um, we recently binged on the Atypical. I don't know if you've watched that. Yeah, yeah. My my partner watched that. She binge yeah, right. watched that all the way through. Um, because I think that's been out for a while now, right? Yeah, I think there's a few seasons. 2017, 2018 or something. Yeah, yeah, so she she watched that and she loved it. Like she thought it was awesome. Yeah. She kept bugging me to watch it, but I think I was watching um Animal Kingdom or something at the time. <laughs> she'd already watched it and she's not one of those people that can watch something once and then watch it straight again. She needs like a bit of time in between. So yeah, that might be something that we might get back onto. We're watching Game of Thrones at the moment. Did you ever go oh, around yeah. like, Game of Thrones? Haven't haven't seen a single episode. Yeah. So like um they've just done like the prequel to it. So Game of Thrones, there was the eight seasons and now they've gone back to 170 years or something before the events of Game of Thrones and telling more of the story from um prior to it so it's all pretty right. exciting so as we do we're watching re-watching game of thrones while we're waiting for new episodes of the house to of drop. yeah yeah, yeah. Right. I, I don't know how i used to do um watching tv shows like that weekly like it does my <laughs> yeah, head in right. i'm just i'm just hooked because they always leave a big cliffhanger at the end or something yeah. knows about to go down and then it's like all right let's wait a week for the next one so <laughs> Or, or, or people used to have to wait like three months at the end of a season, or six yeah. months sometimes yeah. for the big cliffhanger. Yeah, yeah. yeah we, we've be, we've become so impatient, haven't we? Really? Yeah, absolutely. Like um, social media and even the yeah. streaming services and TikTok have just killed people's yep. um, patience for sure. Now, now, now. Yeah, yeah. yep. Uh, what are you reading at the moment? Reading anything interesting? Yeah, it depends on your level of interesting, doesn't it? I've yeah, been, uh, as long as you find it interesting, I guess. <laughs> yeah, true. Been uh, supporting our local bookstore, so we're really lucky down here in South Gippie. We've got two really awesome bookstores, and anyway, one of them was um, I just picked up Julia Gillard's "Not Now, Not Ever." Yeah, is, yep, yep. I started ripping into it, and I had to rewatch the misogyny speech because it's based on like ten years after the yeah, speech. Yeah, okay. And, yeah, and I I rewatched the speech and. Yeah, God, geez, that was a good speech. And then yeah. 
so, I mean, obviously it went viral around the world really quickly and it really, now I'm reading the book to to see her perspective on the lead yeah. up to the speech and the reactions to it. And yeah, yeah it's really how, How's that written? Because I'm picturing that as a bit of a memoir, right? Yeah, well, it's actually got a whole lot of different people who've written sections of it. Okay. So people like um, Jess Hill, Kathy Lett, um, number of politicians as well. Yeah. Um, all sorts of people who've written their what their reflections on it were and on what their were, response yeah. was at the time. Yeah. So um, I'm, I've only just started to get into it, so I'm just at her memoir part of it. Yeah, okay. And, uh, they're really fascinating to read. Really. Yeah. Yep. Are you one of those um, people that has to finish a book before starting a new book or no no I've got lots on the go. Yeah. 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 How people do that. I I personally can't do that. I um I get so hooked into the one book that I just want to finish it before I start a new one. So credit to you you can read a few at the time. I've got really eclectic tastes too. So I'm currently I I I can't cook to save myself. So but I love looking at recipe books and cookbooks. Oh yeah. Um just just been looking through one called Recipe Tim Eats. It's yeah. by Nagi. Yep. Yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah, the the website, oh, yeah. Have, have yes, you got the book, yeah, yeah. have you? Yeah, it's it's just been published recently. Yeah. It's absolutely yeah. beautiful beautiful book. A great story. I didn't you know, her story's interesting too. I don't know much um, about her story. Yeah, and she's she's got a philanthropic arm to what she does as well. Yeah. And uh, so they they feed feed you know people in um, in Sydney who who are struggling um, for whatever reason. So yeah. people may be living living rough or yeah. um, just struggling. And she she employs a group of people who look after that. And she's yeah. real perfectionist. And yeah, yeah I can a, I can fabulous. sense that perfectionist trait in her because I don't know if you've ever looked on the website, but um, like it. It's about seven pages before you even get to the ingredients that you need because it has like the history of the meal, yeah. um, the different variations of the meal. It has like techniques that you need for the meal. Yep. Like it's really detailed to make sure that I guess whoever's cooking it from amateur to professional yeah. knows how to do it exactly the way that she wanted it done. So, yeah. Yeah, totally. It's really, I'm happy about it too because I picked up Adam Liao's um, book a while back. He's, and I thought, oh, I'll be able to cook something out of that. Yeah, yeah nah, too hard for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you're looking for a good, simple recipe book, Kmart have a range. They call it like six ingredients or less or something. Oh, and yeah, right. the premise is you can cook these meals with six ingredients like outside of your um, like your basic things like your oils, your salts, your water, your yeah, eggs, okay. like your staples in your kitchen, and then six other ingredients like a protein, um, chili or whatever it is. So uh, we've got the Asian so one and <laughs> all the meals we've done out of there have been top-notch and oh, so simple as well. Yeah. James, I can see another podcast series coming up. Oh, um, I could talk <laughs> about food for, for days, for years, in fact. Yeah. I've, I've, got, I've, got an even, I've got an even more simple approach. My husband yeah. does all the cooking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we thankfully in our household we we split it um, pretty evenly, fifty fifty. So, yeah, I think if I think I'd just get too eager to cook if if um, she did all the cooking herself. So, yeah. yeah. Any yeah, recommendations? Like we've we've just talked about books, um, Netflix. Yeah. Any recommendations? Yeah, I'd certainly recommend any teachers to, to watch Atypical. I reckon that's yeah. definitely a goer. Um, then 
I, I, the other one I'm rereading at the moment is the Hero Handbook. I don't know if you're familiar with it by Matt no. Landon. No, I haven't heard about that. Yeah, it's awesome because it, it it starts to look at the skills that it looks at the hero's journey and how we can all be a hero. Yeah. But it's talking not talking about hero in the big heroic sense of what we might think of when we hear that word, but more about how we can take action when we see stuff that needs to be yeah to be taken care of or need yeah. someone needs help or someone's being bullied and we can step in and yeah. it and it's ri- kind of written for um, good readers around sort of upper primary, early secondary, okay. but a teacher could a teacher could easily use it and take you know kids through yeah. it. Yeah, but yeah, builds great skills around bystander action and yeah, and even I guess lowering the I don't know if it's the right way to express it, but lowering the standard of what a hero is because I think a lot of kids yeah talk to them about heroes and they think oh like Superman, Batman, like these. Yeah larger than life characters most of the time with super powers but the hero can be someone as simple as just saying hey no like stop stop that that's not okay you know yeah yes yeah Yeah. absolutely even down to you know you you see someone carrying or teacher carrying a whole you know heap of books and juggling it and the kid that runs ahead and opens the door for yeah yep you know because they've seen a problem eventually and they've they've done something yeah Yeah. no yes that sort of stuff Yep. Yeah, I, for sure. I love those sort of books. Hey, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yep. Yeah, and he's an Australian bloke too. Um, oh, who who is it? Sorry, who who uh, was Matt he? Matt La- Matt Langdon. Langdon. All right, I might yeah. have to check that out. And you yeah, said it was aimed it, towards so like the middle to upper school kids. Yeah, but a teacher could easily, you know, yeah. read it and and um, scaffold it for younger kids for sure. Yep. Like yeah. if you read and- it up, it'd be. And like those social stories that are just so powerful in the classroom as well, you know, that the kids can relate to. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I'll, I'll ask her, how, how did we meet? Because I, I'm actually interested because my first um, memory of you, Andrea was like this really knowledgeable person coming into, I was working at the flow still at the time and you came in to run um, the, four R's, the rights, respect and respectful relationships sort of stuff. And that was my first sort of introduction to that, but also introduction to you as well. So would, is that your first memory as well? Or Yeah, I, I don't know about the that? I don't know about the very knowledgeable bit about me, but James, I, 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 I was definitely at the flow. Yeah. And I can I can remember um must have been one of those times, you know, you, there's very few times in your career when you you meet someone first time and you just go, I like this person. I respect this person. Yeah. I really believe they're, you know, they're they're, they're fit for teaching, and they're gonna yeah. they're gonna be great yeah. for kids. And when I met you, that's exactly what I thought. Oh, thank you. And, yeah. Um, and then I didn't I, I didn't know where you went after that. Yeah. And then you went to Gray Street. And yeah, I was, because crap. then I was just about to say that as well. So that might have been in my third, maybe my fourth year of uni, and then. At Grey Street again, you came in to to deliver some of the the content, and again bumped into you. So yeah, yeah, and I reckon that time I might have been doing some stuff around restorative practices for the staff there at yeah. Grey Street too. Yeah. Oh, you've done a few things. You've done a few things like we did that online stuff last year during the lockdowns yes. and whatnot, and then must have been in twenty eighteen or twenty nineteen as well. You came and ran some more respectful relationship stuff too. Yeah. yeah, I think done a few things in Grey Street because Grey Street was one of our lead schools. Yeah, we were. Yep. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. which has been great and um, worked with some really good people there over the time. So yeah, yeah, that's so, how we met, James. Yeah, absolutely. We'll touch on that later because as For as sure. we've mentioned, that stuff's so important and so valuable to to not only teachers but students as well. But how did you get into teaching? Because that's only part of your story. So how how did you find yourself in teaching? Yeah, great question. I, I didn't. I come from a, a family of, in fact, my extended family. I don't. I, they're all trades, you know. They're yep. mechanics, hairdressers, carpenters, builders, cleaners, um, nurses. I, you know, no one uh, has had a. No one had been professional or gone to uni. Um, so for me, it was a huge step. I didn't know what I was doing. Or, yeah. Um, you know, a real working class family. So to go to uni was a big deal. Yeah. Um, but I, for some reason, I always knew I wanted to be, if I wasn't going to be a train driver um, or a prime minister, then I thought teaching was probably the next, uh, wow. next step. Wow. They're three very different sort of fields yeah, as well. Train driver would have been an interesting career though. Yeah. I still think about that a bit actually. Yeah. <laughs> it's never too yeah, late. <laughs> no, nah, that's true. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. You you know, you go through lots of things when you're a kid. I wanted to be a meteorologist at one point and yeah. all sorts of other things. But um, yeah, getting into teaching, I think it was because I had really good teachers throughout my schooling. And I yeah, you know, you talked about heroes before. Some of them to me were heroes and I yeah. wanted to be like them. I wanted to have the same passion that they'd given me as a kid, or I wanted to be able to emulate that and and do the similar thing, you know, make yeah. a difference like they had. Yeah, I was really, really lucky at school to have great teachers. Not all the time, but all you know, different times through my career. Yeah, and yeah I credit going into teaching to them. Yeah, really. Because um, it, it only does any... take the one good teacher, though, doesn't it? Like, yeah. Thankfully, you had, as you said, you had a few really good ones, but it just takes one really good teacher who enjoys what they do. You can see the passion and their love for it, and that can really inspire other people to follow follow in the same career path yeah absolutely and they can be so different there's no such thing as one type of teacher that inspires you either yeah some of them inspire you by what they do some by how they do it you know some by what they say some because they just believe in you you know and you're right one person who believes in you it doesn't even have to be a teacher james one one adult that believes in a kid can can make the difference yeah can absolutely change their life for sure yeah. yeah. So yeah, you sure. got into teaching. You obviously went through uni and everything and all that. And then yeah. how, how did you come I, out of uni? Yeah. I came out of uni twice because I uh first time I, I, I bailed after one year at uni. Yeah. I yeah. couldn't do it. Didn't yeah. I didn't enjoy the lifestyle. And uh I went and worked in factories for a couple of years. Yeah, okay. And after after working in factories for a couple of years, I went, yeah, I'm not gonna do this for the rest of my life and went yeah. back to uni. Yeah, yeah, so when when you say you just didn't like the lifestyle, you just mean like of going to classes and the uni lifestyle, or was it like the when you were out in schools, the lifestyle of that? No, no, I loved that part of it. I didn't like all the assignments. Yeah, I got um, I kind of got a bit disillusioned. I, I don't know. I wanted to. I was in a hurry to become a teacher. I didn't yeah. want to have to do all the uni stuff first. And yeah, I just I was just naive to be completely honest. You know, yeah. you just silly kid really who needed to to see a bit yeah. of the world and work hard first and i had no money yeah. either so i had to go and work and uh you know working in factories for a couple of years and i worked in lots of different factories met heaps of different people through that and yeah did lots of hard work and then i just went i can't do this for the rest of my life though. yeah and 
yeah. um, full respect to those people who do because uh, there's incredible workers out there doing yeah. all of that work. Um, but for me, yeah, I needed to go to uni and I went back to uni. And uh, yeah, yeah then, then I managed to finish that that one and well, did some great placements. Good, thank goodness you did go back because I think you would have really inspired, like we spoke about other teachers inspiring yourself and me alike, but I think... Thank goodness you did go back because I'm sure you've definitely inspired a few of your students in the past as well. Yeah, thanks, James. I probably turned a few off it as well <laughs> <laughs> along the <laughs> way. <laughs> yeah, I was so... lucky too at, I was lucky too at uni, you know. I when I did my placements, I had I, I was doing a grad dip in education, so becoming a secondary teacher, but I had some great placements in primary schools as well. Yeah, yep. Uh, I really respect those opportunities and I was lucky, I think. Very, very yeah. lucky. Yeah. Do do you remember a moment? Was there just one moment where you might have been working in, as you said, in the factories and whatnot, that you were like, no, nah, I'm going to go back? Was it always to go back to uni to do teaching or were there other options or other considerations that you'd made as well? Oh, that's a great question. No, I think I had my heart set on becoming a teacher. Yeah. 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 And I think part of that was working in the factories. I still found myself kind of, helping you know i yeah. worked with a lot of people who who didn't speak english um worked with people who were struggling to read instructions yeah and i sometimes even though i was only you know young myself i found myself helping them and yeah. being drawn drawn to want to help them a bit and yeah always felt good about that and so it's, I think a, it was... it's a really universal thing teaching isn't it like i think there's a lot of other fields and a lot of other um careers that are teachers but they're yeah. just not teaching a set curriculum, you know, like yeah. um, a lot of my mates are PTs and whatnot. And yep. when we talk, it's like they do the same sort of thing, like scaffolding and modeling and explaining and all that. It's just what they're teaching is different to the Vic curriculum that I'm teaching, you know, but it's still yeah. the same skills and same um, relationships that they need to build and everything too. So. Yeah. yeah, that's so true. Even down to the lesson planning sometimes. Yep. You know, yeah, yeah, for sure. Sometimes they actually yeah. the PTs put in more effort than I do <laughs> to some of the lessons. So yep. yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, for sure. So you got back into teaching, finished your degree, and then were you straight into a classroom from there? No, I came out of uh, uni at a time when there were no jobs for teachers. Oh, okay. Uh, so lots of my um, colleagues who or peers who went to uni with me most of them didn't end up teaching. They've ended up in other careers because there were no jobs. Okay. Yeah. There was also at a time in Victoria where some of my peers ended up teaching in New South Wales because they needed teachers Yeah. and Victoria kind of didn't. So actually I didn't get a teaching gig until halfway through the year that oh, year that wow. I came out. Okay. So in the meantime, went back and worked in factories again. Yep. Um, and then got a call up in those days. You got a call up from uh, yeah. central office. Yeah. And they basically, you know, they – they didn't. You did. You had no time either. So I got get this phone call in the middle of an afternoon. It said, and so I, was like, I don't know, maybe Wednesday. Yeah. Um, offering me the position teaching at Charlton, Charlton High School back in those days. Yeah. I didn't even know where Charlton was. <laughs> um, I had a hundred hundred bucks in my pocket and an old car, and uh, they wanted me to start on the Monday. Yeah. Wow. And I was like, I had nowhere to live, and yeah. uh, but anyway, I said yes because. You didn't say no to those things. You yeah, know, it was an opportunity. Yeah, and, yeah because yeah, opportunities so. sound like they were pretty far and few between. 
yeah, they were, but yeah, then I had to get a map out and go, oh, I don't know. And in those days, it was a map, physical yeah. map. Yeah, the, yeah, <laughs> you know, the mole no map. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that's, that's crazy to think of a time where, like, you come out of uni, especially something like teaching, and the jobs are just not there. Yeah. Like, that, to me, that seems crazy because fortunately yeah. for me, there's always been teaching jobs around, and depending on how particular you are with where you want to be, you can – more often than not, find a, a teaching position. So that's, yes. yeah, that must have been really challenging yep. coming out of your degree, knowing that there's not much around for you. Yes, yes, absolutely. And and knowing that, you know, some of your, your peers who you knew were going to be great teachers have not ever taught because they yeah. didn't get jobs at the time. And they were the lost. They were yeah. lost to teaching. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's and, a shame um, as well, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I head up, I head up to Charlton. You know, like I said, I got hundred bucks in my pocket and an old car, an old Kingswood, nineteen seventy three. You know, barely makes it there, and I don't know where to live when I get there either. And yeah. I get there, and this is hard to believe at the moment. But you know what? That it had been in drought, and it had been in severe drought, drought for a long time, and now they're in flood. You know, wow. it's kind of yeah. bizarre. But yeah. when I got up there, it was a the community were incredibly depressed. There'd been a lot of suicides of farmers. Um, yeah. There was a lot of depression. There were people selling up their farms, people walking off their farms. It was a tough time to go yeah. up there as a, a city kid. Yeah. Walks in, you know, up there. And, yeah, it was an interesting, very interesting experience. Yeah, because if if that's the, and I'm not familiar with that area, but by the sounds of it, if it's a lot of, um, like, farming, a, a farming community sort of, area then and you're in the middle of a drought like some of those families in the school community would have been doing it pretty tough themselves and then you're doing it very tough they're teaching the students that are seeing their parents go through that sort of drought and that potentially financial struggle so it would have you would have definitely had your challenges yeah for sure in 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 those days too there were no social workers no psychologists you know nothing no support around the teachers were it or what was the school Never setting like? Was that a primary school or a high school? It was a sec- secondary college. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Only a small secondary college. And yep. um, I laugh about it now because I had nowhere to live and ended up living with the principal and his wife for the first week. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, which is pretty embarrassing when you're a first year out teacher and you know, yeah. <laughs> got to live with the living principal. on sleeping on your boss's couch. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, 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 pretty much. So it was, yeah. it was a funny time. It was a fun time, and um, you know, really bonded with a group of staff up there. Yeah, for sure. So obviously, high uh, schools, high school settings are a little different to the primary school. But what what classes were you teaching? Did you have like your set yeah. English year eights or whatever they were? Yeah, I was teaching English and social sciences, and. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, some funny experiences that you you, you think you probably never recover from. Yeah. Um, but you know, you're the raw first year out teacher, and yeah. remember the year, year nine class who were full of energy and full of life, and they worked out how you could lock the door to the old portables, and oh. they'd um off, often lock us all in, and yeah. that was yeah, we had some interesting times. You learn yeah. you learn a lot pretty quickly. Yeah, you learn. You learn that there are certain members of staff that you should never touch their coffee cups and, yep. you know, all those important, <laughs> important yeah, things. The things they don't teach you at uni, hey? It's funny you mentioned that the, it's year nine's getting up to sort of those harmless or maybe harmless sort of pranks <laughs> and whatnot because, like, I think the year nine, 
year nine's just sort of blanketed as sort of that year of transition where kids are just more up to more interested in social and um, yeah. getting up to trouble than they are their academics. So, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, lots of energy at the same time. Like you yeah. never, you can never be bored teaching year nine. Yeah, oh, not at all. And I remember myself in year nine um, and going back to like those sort of teachers that we remember that most of the teachers um, that I remember from year nine were those really not, not cruisy, but like they earned, earned our respect sort of, by the way they went about their their teaching and their business. So Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Yep. For sure. But you know what? I wasn't there for long. I ended up getting a transfer uh a, a little bit closer to home. When yeah, I, okay. I put in I put in for a transfer, feeling a bit guilty to be honest, because Charlton was struggling. But in those days you could put in for a transfer and I did. And yep. I got I got offered uh Foster or South Gippsland. Oh wow, college. all right. Uh, and for a kid from Danny Nong, first of all, I didn't know where it was. So yeah. I still had to look up another map. And when I looked <laughs> yeah. up the map this time, I went, oh, yeah, that looks a bit closer to home and uh, said yes. Yeah. And I basically two days before the start of the school year, when I was thoughting I was heading back to Charlton, I was not heading back there at all. I was yeah. turning up to Foster. Wow. And what, so yeah. Charlton, how, how big of a school would that have been at the time? Charlton was about 150 yeah, from year, year seven to year twelve, which and was Foster pretty a similar. Small. Was Foster a similar size? Because Foster was a little bit. It was a little bit bigger than Charlton. Yeah, 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 and it was it was in that was at an interesting time as well. Because yeah, there was uh, Murby North, Carnbara, and Leangatha, and Leangatha Secondary was going to be seen as the there was a time I think where they were going to make that the senior secondary school. Okay. At, but maybe North Karamara and Foster really fought that, and um, yeah. that's my recollection. I might be wrong about yeah. that, but yeah. they've they've maintained their year seven to twelve on those other campuses. Oh, really? Um, okay, and they're sort of all now the one school with just their separate campuses. Is that right? Or I know so Lee and Gather, Karamara, Maybe North, all st- and Foster all still standalone secondary yeah. colleges. Okay, all right. Wow. So how how was yeah. that like? Still in technically still your first year out of uni yeah. but second part of the year how how was the transition for you yeah i was i was as nervous as anything and you know i can still remember the stupid question i asked the principal what do i need to bring on my first day and he um kind of like <laughs> he kind of laughed at me i think yeah. he was like are you serious that's a stupid question to ask but <laughs> for, for me i was it you know i had no idea yeah um, like you said, I was still pretty raw and I didn't have anyone in my family who were, you know, teachers. So I was kind of just yeah. learning as I went along, but it was the best thing that ever happened to me going down to Foster and, and having that opportunity. So you found yourself in Foster um, yeah. at the school there. That was a high school as well? Yes. Yep. yep. Secondary college. So it was what, called South Gippsland Secondary. Oh, place. okay. All right. Yep. What was that like? Because knowing Foster, that's a pretty big um, community-based school. Did you feel yeah. that sense of community in the school? Yeah, yeah, I did pretty much from day one. Although I have to say, um, I lived in the car. I lived in the caravan in the caravan park for the yeah, first right. week. Yeah. Until ended up living in Tura in what was back then a, a teacher house, an education house. Oh, okay. Um, was that- believe it or not, there. Was that the yeah, department the education, owned that? Yeah, the education yeah. department used to have houses that they um, that were they were mainly for principals, I think. 
Yeah. Um, but also for teachers so that, you know, and probably it's something we need to look at again because people move to become a teacher in somewhere where there's no housing. Yeah. Um, it's probably something they need to be looked at again. But, yeah, back it's, then we lived in the uh, Yeah, Turo, and I, I guess especially with that sort of transfer system um, as well where you could be working yes. potentially at one school at the end of a, semester, uh, end of a term or semester and then yeah. two weeks later be expected to relocate who knows, half side, the other side of the state even. So, yes, yes, yes. yeah, completely. Yeah. And particularly, you know, often uprooted your whole family, um, not in my case, but that's what was happening. Yeah. You know? um, but, yeah, so, yeah, turned up there and I had, there was another another young teacher there as well. And I think yeah. we were the first couple of young teachers for a little while. Yeah. How, how big was the staff there at, at Foster at that time? Oh, great question. I don't know, probably 30. Yeah, maybe. all right. So like big, big enough, big enough to find your own sort of crew in in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, they're really united staff. I, I, yeah, um, yeah. Everyone got along really well. It was a great, a really great staff and a really great place to cut my teeth as a first year out teacher. Really, yeah. Yep. Uh, so really super supportive. Um, yeah, really worked well as a team. Great kids, fantastic students. Being at Foster, were were you there for long? I was there for three years. Um, okay. And I, yeah, we had a, yeah, it was great. I taught predominantly English, um, social sciences or humanities. And yeah. VCE, VCE psychology was introduced when I was down there. Oh, and so okay. I got to teach, got to teach VCE psychology, which was yep. fantastic. Absolutely loved teaching. Was that. that, was that something you'd had interest to in prior to coming into teaching or was that something special uh, in the uni? In my undergrad, I did. You know, I majored in psychology as well, yep. so I had that up my sleeve. Um, and then I think what I really, I really loved about teaching year 11 and 12 was that relationship that you developed with that, you know, your sort of 16, 17, 18-year-olds. Yeah. Yep. And it, you really saw that shift from what it was like to teach year sevens where you had to be very nurturing and, you know, yep. kind of kind of like a almost a substitute parent at times for yeah. that sort of age group kid. And then, you know, you sort of move into that sort of 15, sort of 14, 15, where, you know, teachers... They think um, they're untouchable and (laughs) things don't apply to them. Yep. Yeah, it's all about their peers, which is perfectly, you know, reasonable for that age group. Yeah, absolutely. And then, yeah, that relationship changes when they get to sort of VCE level. When they're sort of realising that they're on the cusp of sort of like adulthood and, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, yep. you're not you're not their enemy, and um, you're on the same team, and you're trying to yeah. help them, and they get that, and it's yeah, really, really you, that. you make a great point. Like e- even in primary schools as well, like the the way a relationship of teacher to student sort of develops and morphs from yeah. year levels is incredible, and it's you're right. Like I think you touched on it perfectly. There, it's sort of a lot of it is dependent on what the student needs, you know, like in year yes. seven, you said they still need that real nurturing sort of thing. And then yeah. year eight or nine, they might need more of a, more of a mate for a lack of a better term. And then um, the older they get, they need more of a mentor more so. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think I was really lucky down there too. I got to go on camps um, with the students and loved yeah. that. Had some, had some very interesting experiences yeah. on camps and did you go you always, camps around the area? Because there's some great there's some great places around that foster area. 
Yeah, there are, but you know, we went to Newborough. We took driver ed over to Newborough. Okay. Um, year, year eleven driver ed over there. We took year eights to the city. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Phillip Island. I think too. Oh, there were yeah year ten camps. Yeah, all all sorts. You just name it. We had lots of different camps for those kids, and yeah, learned a lot. You bond with the staff. Yeah, you know, and couple, again, that relationship changes again out, outside of the school setting as well with the students too, so. Yeah, 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 for sure. I always chuckle because I should, <laughs> it's a memory that's enduring, but remember losing the principal's daughter on a camp in the city. Oh, no. Um, yeah, don't recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> how, how did you manage that? Let's touch on that for a little bit. How did you manage oh, to lose yeah. her? Oh, just um, just a, a mix-up, I think, um, yep. between it's a, that student and the direct, the instructions that we were given. We're staying at the camp near the school, that yep. near the zoo. Yeah, and a bit of a, just a little bit of a mix-up between staff and kids at that point, and the staff went off with the bulk of the kids on the tram. Yeah, um, I'd I'd stayed behind to pack up the camp and bring the bus into the city, and this particular kid had. Didn't realise I was still there, realised the other kids had gone. They may, may have been trying to change shoes or do something anyway. Yeah. Missed, missed what had happened and then that student panicked and caught a train into the city. Oh. Anyway, it all and, turned out all right in the end. It's all good. And it's not like it? you could have just rung her iPhone or something at the time <laughs> either. Like there's none of that back then. Uh, none of that in those and days. And Murphy's, Murphy's Law too. Like if you were going to lose a kid, it, it was always yeah. just going to happen yeah. to be the principal's yeah. daughter as well, doesn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the staff on the camp, we, when we, you know, later on it all worked out and we were all okay, we had this, you know, bit of a joke where we would ring the principal and say, we've got good news and bad news. The good news is we've won Tatsoto. The bad news is we've lost your daughter. I wouldn't have been keen to be that person who had to make the phone call to let them know. And how, nah. <laughs> how would you approach nah. it? Would you approach it as a boss employee or as a teacher <laughs> parent like all right now i'm just know. gonna go call the parent and <laughs> call him back to be, <laughs> to be honest james i think if it had been left to me i would have cried yeah um but it was left to one of my more senior colleagues to do that nah, and of course like because as as you're saying as well where i'm due to go on a school camp um tomorrow <laughs> of all day so that's probably not a great story to be <laughs> filling me in on at the moment but <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I think every teacher that's been on school camps has got some war stories to tell. Yeah, but, um, for sure, you know. for sure. So you obviously stayed around at Foster for a little while and then what, like I know you've been in the print class as well. You said you've done that for a number of years. How how was that transition into um, more? Yeah, of the it, it, had a, it had a few other stepping stones though, Jake, because yeah. I, I was at, as I said, I was teaching PCE psychology, so I had an undergrad in psych. Yep. And, and at that time, an opportunity knock. So this goes back to when psychologists in the Department of Education had to be teachers as well. You couldn't just be a psychologist. Oh, okay. Because that, that's not the case so, these days, is it? Nah, like, no, it's very, very different. Yep. Yeah, very different. So what happened at that time was there was a desperate need for psychologists in the Department of Education. So they started going, well, where are we going to get these people from? So they started going around and looking at VCE psychology teachers yeah. and asking if we had an undergrad in psych. And if we did, they were offering us the opportunity to apply for jobs as as what they call probationary psychologists. Okay. 
And um, I didn't want to. I was loving teaching. I was I was yeah. really, really happy teaching. I loved my kids, loved my colleagues. I really liked, you know, seeing kids develop in their learning. Yeah. Those aha moments, um, finding the kids that were struggling and, and bringing them on. Yeah. Um, you know, all of that. I was re- really passionate about my work. And then this opportunity came along and it took me a while to look at it, to be honest. And it was one of my colleagues who actually said to me, don't be frightened of this opportunity you can always return to teaching yeah but but the opportunity is knocking go and have a look at it and i'll always be grateful to that colleague yeah for saying to me to not be afraid of opportunity and anyway so i did i applied for a job as a probationary psychologist and did that for five years oh wow south gippsland network of schools so what sort of things were you doing in in that role yeah, I learned very quickly how to do uh, assessments. It was a lot of assessment work. We were responding to critical incidents, which I had to learn all about. Oh, you yeah. know, I was still pretty raw. Yeah, absolutely. But I had a you know great mentor. Donna Risley was a senior social worker okay. already by that stage, and yep. I learned I learned heaps from her. I learned heaps from Terry Guilford, who was a another psychologist who was my supervisor. Yeah, I had great mentors around me. Yeah, um, it was well scaffolded great schools to work with, but lots of assessments, um, you know, and writing reports, PSD applications, supporting kids that needed additional support. Yeah. um, Helping teachers with, with different strategies. Yeah. Started doing some professional development with teachers and start, and I start school staff around that time too. Yeah. Yeah. How Um, how did you find you, you mentioned you were um, offering support to teachers and whatnot, like how, because I know from myself, sometimes if I'm, trying to give advice or help or support other teachers that I know have X amount of years experience on me. Like it can be feeling a little, little daunting and a little sort of like out of my place to be providing support and advice for lack of a better term. Like how how did you find that? Because you would have only still been, as you said, pretty fresh, pretty raw out of uni and then offering Advice. I don't want to stop saying advice, but like offering strategies and whatnot for those classroom teachers. Yeah. Look, to be honest, I probably didn't do a very good job of it. Yeah. Um, You know, you're always learning, and now if I do it a whole lot different. Back then, you learn to listen. Yeah. And you learn to you learn to watch and see what the teachers were doing, and you know, I can think back now that I probably, without knowing it, was trying to use a strength based approach back then. Yeah. I just didn't know it. Um, yeah. But again, I, I probably gave some terrible advice. To be honest, yeah. I probably I probably overstepped the mark at times. Um, but the ones that where teachers were really asking for help and suggestions were probably the easier ones. To be yeah. honest, yeah, um, yeah it was sure. hard for me. It was hard for me working at that stage in primary schools because I hadn't had a lot of experience in there. Yeah. Um, but you know, you you meet people, you meet fantastic people, you learn from them. Um, you learn from teachers, you learn from ES, you learn from yeah. social workers, speeches, prints, yeah. you learn from parents and carers. Yeah. You learn from kids. Yeah. Did did you see that? Because that would have been relatively new for you, um, for the department, that role that you would have been stepping into. There would have there must have been huge changes to that role in itself as well, though, over those yeah. times you were in it. Yeah, definitely. And of course I was a probationary psychologist and I had at one stage there. You know, there was no other psychologists to work with locally. Yeah. So I was actually going to Cranbourne one day a week. Oh, and, wow. Um, yeah. Getting met, getting supported and mentored and supervised by the psychologists in Cranbourne area. Yeah. 
Um, so, you know, I was my networks were growing pretty quickly, yeah. pretty rapidly. Yeah. Um, but after five years in that, um, I had to make a decision because they wanted us to become public servants and I was still teaching class even yeah. though I was a psych. And so I chose to go back to teaching and go back okay. to school and leave leave psych. Yeah. You must have um, come back with just a handful of like just buckets and buckets, loads yeah. of resources and things you could do to better support the students in your class from doing five years of that stuff. Yeah, I hope so. I hope I learned a lot from that and I hope I brought that in. And so I went to Currumburra Secondary College as, a, yeah. again, a year eight coordinator this time though and yeah. teaching uh, teaching teaching VCE psychology again, teaching again, English, yeah. teaching humanities. Um, had a whole – and I was, I was there for three years, met some great people again, worked a lot in the middle years, worked with some teams, worked with some real visionary teachers, um, yeah. people like Richard Collier and Russell Savage who were – real visionaries around what yep. they were doing. So they were looking at, you know, brain-based learning back then. They were looking oh, at having wow. teachers yeah. teaching teaching teams, working with groups of students so that yep. the students were having less people to interact with. A lot of the stuff yeah. that we now think is new, they were doing it 20 years yeah. ago. Yeah, and stuff that we think's revolutionary as well and yeah. Best, yeah. best practice and everything yeah. too, but they were doing it 20 years back, yeah. Yeah, they were. It's probably pretty groundbreaking when I think about it yeah. back back then. Yeah. So I did that for three years and then opportunity knocked again. And yeah. um, this time I ended up as a what they call the Innovations and Excellence Cluster Educator. Um, wow. We're based at Lee and Gatha Secondary and working with a group of 10 schools, yeah. primary, secondary, specialist schools. Um, so all that corner inlet foster area again. So I had that reconnection with them. Yeah. And, but, but this time based at Lee and Gatha Secondary. And my focus was around uh, middle years. So they were trying to improve that five to nine. And we're still trying to do that, you know. Yeah. We haven't, you know, we've made some gains, but probably not the gains that we would have hoped to have made in that area. So looking a lot at transition from year six to year seven, yeah. a lot of the stuff again that we think we're trying to, we're inventing now, which was actually invented, you know, 20 years, years ago. ago. Yeah. Trying to reinvent the wheel, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. And really, really proud of some work we did at that time because we, we, you were really able to develop projects that were suited to your area right across yep. the state. There were such different things happening. It was a real rich time in education in Victoria, lots of yeah. great things happening. And we set up what we called the teacher shadowing program. So we had primary teachers going into secondary teachers and shadowing them for a day. We had primary secondary teachers going into specialist schools and shadowing them for a day. Yeah. It was absolutely we had to try to bridge, teachers. as you said, that transition yeah. from primary yeah. to high school. We yeah. had second secondary VCE teachers going into watch prep teachers work. We had prep teachers going into watch woodwork in secondary schools. And that was absolutely fantastic. Yeah. It was really good stuff. Really good stuff at that yeah. time, and so how, how long know, how long were you in that role for? Because that must have been uh, some really about, empowering sort of work for yourself as well, knowing that you yeah. had near direct impact on teachers and the way that they were supporting their students. Yeah, real steep learning curve too, because yeah. um, suddenly you know you're working. I was working with principals a lot, yeah. so you know it was like. Uh, that was a big learning curve, but I had some yeah. great principals that I was working with, people like yeah. Cole Boyd and Neville Stone and Heather Stone and um, Robin Smith and, yeah, great, great principals who were super supportive and yeah. working with them. And so I had, my work was with through them to get to the teachers, if you like. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
but our whole aim was around trying to do the very best that we could for our, our young people in our schools, yeah. regardless I, of what school they went to, you know? It was a, yeah, and I think if that's if that's everyone's aim and if that's everyone's purpose, then you can't go wrong, can you, really? No. Yeah. Yeah, that's very, very true. Yeah. So I did that did that for a, a few years and then I, an opportunity knocked again and I became acting principal at Tura Primary School. Wow, yeah. Which um, that was a major steep learning curve. Uh, yeah, absolutely, of, yeah. because you... You're going from working with prints to being the print, aren't you? Yeah. So, and yeah, yeah. The range of responsibilities and expectations would just yep. shift, you know, like there wouldn't be many that overlapped really, would there? Nah, and because it had been, you know, 10 years or so since I'd been down in that area where I lived for a little while in Tura, yep. um, I was starting to reconnect with some of those families again and, like I love to, I have such a soft spot for that for that school and for that community. And yeah. when I was acting print there, there was a school of seventy five students. Um, oh wow! All right. At that time, and I had some really difficult things to manage in that time too. And um, I learned a lot. I didn't. I won't say that there were some things I didn't do very well. Yeah. But I had I had really good support from col- col- colleagues, principal colleagues. Yeah. And, teachers at the school at the time, the business manager, um, school community. But, yeah, I had to make some tough decisions there and they still stick with me, to be honest, yeah. to this day. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 what I, the decisions I made impacted people's lives and yeah. I'm still not 100% sure that they were right ones. No, the right ones. But unf- yeah. I think, unfortunately, sometimes as when you're in that position, it – Unfortunately, that that's the one of the responsibilities and one of the parts to the roles. Unfortunately, so it is. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, you know, even if you're not making a decision, you're making a you're yeah, making a decision absolutely for sure. Like <laughs> by not making decisions, yeah. making a decision. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So when when you were there, that seventy five students must have been a nice sort of relatively small enough school for you to really sink your teeth into a new learning curve, as you said. Yeah, for sure. And it was I, I was teaching as well, a little bit of classroom teaching. So that oh, was okay. the first time I'd taught in primary. Yep. And I was probably not very good at that either. Um, but I can I remember this one particular, you know, I learned a lot there from the kids. They they taught me a lot um, in terms of behaviour management, in terms of student wellbeing and yep. and some teaching as well. And the, they had the wind turbines um, for the first time. You know, not, they, wouldn't, they were fairly new at that time down there. Yep. and there was a little bit of um, bit of uncertainty, probably a little bit about that. But I can remember we took the kids outside and got the kids to draw, like to really think about their environment and to draw. Yeah. And they drew these beautiful. This is grade three kids. They drew these absolutely beautiful pictures because they lived in such a beautiful area. Yeah. And they incorporated these wind turbines into their drawings, but in a way that made it just seem. Part of natural, part of yeah. it, yeah, and and not not they didn't stand out in a way that made them look ugly or anything like that. And yeah, I think about that a bit. You know, those beautiful pictures that those kids drew when they're in grade three. Yeah, no, that's great. Like that, that it's cool how someone else from the outside might think that that's such a small moment in yeah. such a like range of um, jobs and roles that you've been in. But for you to say that is the one or one that really stands out is just shows you the impact it's had. 
Yeah, for sure. You know, yeah. those, those little moments and lots of things, obviously, that you, I don't, you can't talk about or you don't want to talk about yeah. um, that made impact on us as well. But, yeah, sometimes it is just those beautiful moments. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. Were, were there and any then, challenges because yeah. a lot of the stuff you'd done was um, high school high school based? Was there any challenges you found particularly transitioning into a primary school especially as that sort of top role in the print? Yeah, I can remember going to a principal meeting, network meeting, and um, so <laughs> a lot of the conversation was around head lice. Yeah. That might seem funny to principals now because maybe they don't discuss head lice, but back then it was like this topic of conversation that yeah. as a second secondary school print or a secondary school teacher, it was like, Coming what? in like thinking, but, yeah, you know, but it taking was, the Mickey it really, out of it. <laughs> yeah. But it, but it, but it really dominated the principal yeah. meetings because I think, I think the whole issue around headlights was <laughs> to drive people crazy. Really, yeah, um, yeah, that was pretty funny. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think too, just you know, the the whole way you relate to the little kids and their needs, and you know, you've got to keep remembering that these kids have been on the planet for five minutes. You yeah. Know? And yeah. They're learning every single thing. And they're just they're kids learning. as well. Yeah. And it doesn't matter they if they're are. learning social skills uh-huh. or if they're learning the curriculum, like they're learning, you know, and especially for yeah. kids too, the younger they are, the more important experiences are for them because that's what they're going yes. to learn most from, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think the other one is that the joy, you know, we, I don't know, sometimes along the, the way of education, we sort of lose the need for joy in our work and yeah. the joy. We work with kids. If we can't have a laugh and enjoy yeah. what we do and have laughter in our schools, then yeah. we've got a problem. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It can't all be too serious, can it? Nah. We work yeah. with kids. It's, yeah. Our, our day should have laughter in it and joy in it. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's so – and I, I think back to even my primary school experiences and think that the ones I remember the most, like I don't, I don't remember learning how to multiply numbers or whatnot. <laughs> I know how to do it. I don't remember how it was taught to me, but the things that I remember is like the principal that would go up in front of assembly and sing songs for 15 minutes during the assembly or yeah. the little jokes the teachers would have that <laughs> – as a kid, we had no idea about it at the yeah, time. But that's right. The teachers thought they were hilarious over the loudspeakers yeah. and everything. So, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, very, very true. Teachers yeah. used to have a lot of fun among themselves as yeah. well. And it's not until you get older yeah. that you think, oh, I know what they're joking about yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's so yeah. true. Yeah. So, so true. And then were, were you, uh, like, did you move around to schools in that print role yeah. or did you do so most I, of your time in Tura? Yeah, so after only I was only in Tura acting print the first time. I've been there again, but first yep. time was in in two thousand and six, and I did that for uh, a couple of terms, and then I applied for the assistant principal job at Inverloch and Conway Primary School. Yeah, which was the first time they'd ever had an assistant principal. Their school had grown big enough that they could have an assistant print job. Wow. Vacancy. Okay. Yeah, so I applied for that and was very lucky to get that position, very fortunate, very privileged, and worked with a fabulous principal named Stan Jackson, who I still have great affection, learnt a lot from him. Yeah. And uh, he was my first prim as an assistant prim. Yeah, all right. And um, was, yeah, it was an amazing time. And, again, I was teaching and I had to learn a lot very quickly. I was going to teach him one day a week, I think. 
had grade threes and learned had Wendy Page was the classroom teacher in that room. And I learned a lot from her, um, learned a lot from the kids. And, and then after a couple of years, Stan decided to retire and he retired at the time when Inverloch had Inverloch desperately needed new buildings. It had been trying to get new buildings for a long time. We had bloody old portables that were really, um, you couldn't maintain them. It was just beyond, they were falling apart. Yeah. Was, uh, they smelt, they were damp, terrible conditions for kids and teachers to be working in and kids to be learning in. And the school was successful to get uh, a building program. And uh, we started that building program. Stan and I put huge amounts of time and effort into putting putting the applications together for all of that and yeah. supported by the local school council, the community. And um, we got a building program up, and then Stan decided to retire. And oh wow, that would have been a big shock. Just as the, we started the system yeah. as well, yeah. I know, and that, that, he was loved, absolutely loved by the community and the school. And so I took took over from Stan yeah. for a while, and um, during the building program. And I tell you what, um, I take my hat off to any principal or assistant principal or any teacher for that matter, ES, who's working in a school where there's a building program because yeah. it's a massive job yeah. you are managing a building program while you're trying to also be principal or leader of a school that's yeah. a yeah, for huge, sure. huge role yeah so yeah i learned a heck of a lot during that period of it's, time um it's a, yeah. a few things stood out from when you were explaining that like obviously the importance of that strong relationship between a print and an assistant print as well because yeah like you guys are sort of splitting the duties a little bit i'd imagine um to an extent, so you really need, or imagine again, you'd really need strong communication and especially strong trust as well between the two of you. But also yeah. that you mentioned you were still learning off the classroom teacher as well, despite yeah, like rank rank would say you outrank. Not that anyone sees it, but outrank the teacher. Yet humbly, you're still learning off the teacher as well that you're working in one day a week with. So yeah, that's really interesting sort of stuff yeah it was and look I was given a lot of trust as well and I had an opportunity to work with great people at the time like Andrea Elt who was another teacher at the school who had a strong passion for social emotional learning and so there I I really developed I always had a passion for that work but I think it really grew at Inverloch and Stan allowed me to really work closely with Andrea and, and Debbie King was another another teacher at the school at that time around this work. And we really developed really strong social-emotional learning programs yeah. at the school um, and really embedded it strongly and really yeah. turned the culture of Inverloch Primary School around in terms of the behaviour of the students and yeah. really super proud of all of that work that we did there. Yeah, absolutely. That was that, and that would have been relatively a new concept in Mate, potentially, I'm guessing in education of that explicit teaching of social emotional like well being as well at for for that time, I'd imagine. Yeah, look, lots of schools around the state had been doing lots of things for for quite a period of time, and the Michael Bernard's work around you can do it, the, yeah, which is um, still you still see that in schools too. That that had been big towards the end of the '90s and evidence based program. Yeah, um, and I think I think now we're we're much better at understanding the importance of evidence based uh, and evidence informed practice and yeah. resources. We're much better at that now. Back then, we probably weren't so good at that. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, we had some great stuff in the school, and we really understood the understood the need to embed it and induct new staff into yeah. it, and keep the professional learning up, and keep developing it, and working yeah. with in partnership with the community. And we did some fantastic things over that period of time at the school, including building the new school. Yeah, which we're super proud of that Jeez, work as that, well. That's huge to think that not only are you building a new school, but you also, oh building new curriculum as well within the school too like that i can't imagine the workload that that would have brought upon not only yourself but the, just the whole school yeah and with a new acting as acting assistant principal that came into the school at that yeah. time as well um, yeah. because obviously standard retired and we had Conwac, so it was an interesting situation we had Conwac primary school as part of that too yeah so it's um what it's called a hub annex arrangement and very few of these in the state yeah. And it's um, still remained really strong. So Inverloch and Conwack, very strong relationship between those um, between those schools. And yeah. So yeah, I did that. I, I was assistant principal there for over a long a long period of time. But in that time too, I also stepped into the acting print role. I also went back to being a psychologist for yeah. about six months during that time as well in two thousand eleven. Yeah. Um, when when the um, when the area got a bit desperate and they didn't have yeah. any other psychs, um, and called on me to come out of the the school a bit again and I again had great support from people like Donna Risley throughout yeah. that time and what, then went back you, to being an assistant print sorry did, did it take you did it take much twisting of your arm to go back into that psych sort of work or was that something you still always had a real love and interest for and well at around that time I was studying my master's of ed and dev psychology as well yeah. uh, so I think it was really it was a great opportunity to actually put into practice a lot of what I was learning at uni. So yeah. I was studying. So I was studying full time, working full time, uh, while I was in print class, and then <laughs> it was it was a pretty tough few years there. Yeah, I think back, but yeah. I survived it. Um, I survived it. It was all good. Uh, I didn't have any time off really either, or and it wasn't. Um, you know, I just had to keep working and yeah. working my way through it. I was really fortunate to be able to have a great supportive husband and and um, managed to do all of that. Yeah. But then, but then you know, I only did that for six months or so and went back to the assistant print class and yep. finished off my master's. And then um, change of principal at the school and a few things changed and I ended up then taking on an acting print job back at Tura Primary School. Yeah, all right. So sort of almost full circle in a way. Yeah, yep. yeah. Was that and like I, a bit of a homecoming for you? Did you feel, yeah, love of tough, going back? Yeah, it was a it was a tough time. If ever I was going to go back and be an acting print somewhere, it was going to be Tura. Yeah, because I, I think, as I said, I've always had this strong bond with Tura. Yeah, this soft spot for it. Yeah, and when I went there, they're in a bit of trouble. It had been a tough time for them. Yeah, they'd had a couple of acting principals, and things were a bit challenging for them yeah and uh yeah i stepped into stepped into working with the staff and forming a strong bond with them really quickly and building a strong bond with the community and yeah worked really hard to get the school back to a space where some really good learning teaching and learning could be done yeah. again and everyone felt safe and secure and Worked really, really hard with the staff there at the time and the community yeah. and feel very proud of that work and a great school yeah. council. And How, how yeah, long of really a period would, of... would you say that it was until you'd, like how long was the period for you to build that 
community and that trust in the staff again? Yeah, probably took a while. I think I think the staff and the community were and some of the community work work a lot fairly on board fairly quickly. Yeah. Um, but it probably took a good term before uh, we sort of did some reflection on where we were at and made some changes that really helped with the students. Yeah. The, the teachers were and, and the ES were fantastic. They'd already tried lots of things and they had some really good things in place. So it was about bringing those to the fore and backing yeah. them. Uh, we brought some old staff that hadn't been in the area for a while back into the school, um, tried to bring the community in and make good connections with them. And, yeah, uh, I feel really proud of the work that we yeah. did over that six months. Yeah. I really do. And But I but I knew I didn't want to be a principal, James. I, I Yeah. Well, I it, it sounds like, because what, what did you say, about 11 years in and out of sort of print and assistant print roles like that must just have a massive toll on you, not only like, like mentally and um, but physically as well, because it the stresses that would come with those roles, especially when you're building a new school and trying to change or improve a, a culture as well. Like that takes a like you need to put a lot of yourself in into those sort of um, tasks as yeah. well. So I can only imagine the the toll it took on you. Yeah, for sure. And I'm, every principal, every assistant principal, same thing. You know, they put their heart and soul into it. It's a, it's a job you can't you can't fit that into forty hours a week. Yeah. Um, they're massive jobs. They they come with incredible pressure. You're making incredible decisions about people's lives um, yeah. multiple times a day, and uh, financial stuff and conflict and yeah. best interest of kids and staff and HR. You name it. It's a huge job. Never ending, and yeah. um, but I knew, but I knew I really, my passions lie elsewhere. Yep. And then the opportunity to join the Respect for Relationships came. Yeah, on. yeah, awesome. So what? When would that have been? Like when? Yeah, I'm, was, like I'm thinking 2015, 2016, maybe uh, twenty. So the Royal Commission into Family Violence was 2016. Yeah. And then the Royal Commission, um, part of the Royal Commission recommendations was the Respect for Relationships Initiative around the prevention work in schools. And that was, so that started in 2017. Yeah. So that's when I started in that job. Yeah. Yeah. So what was your role in that? Was like, was it developing the lessons and the curriculum around that or was it more out into schools and promoting it and raising awareness of it and, Upskilling. There was a lot of raising awareness at that time, a lot of trying to get buy-in. It was the time of the marriage equality debate. I don't know if you remember. Yeah. It was a really ugly time in our community, I think, in in, In in Australia. Yeah. Brought out the worst in people, brought out the best in people too. Yeah. But um, it was a tricky time for respectful relationships because we were trying to introduce gender equality and prevention practices into our schools at a time when the marriage equality debate was on. And yeah. It was a pretty tough time yeah. uh, around that work. Um, but our schools wanted it. Um, they, you know, Most of our schools right from the outset were really supportive of this work. They knew it had to come. They wanted the curriculum that went with it. They wanted to help be part of part of social change. Yeah, um, they were supportive of that right from the outset. And we had some really good schools on board right from yeah. the start. Yeah, Gray Street being one of them. Yeah, um, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I, I imagine like it's great to hear that you had schools on board with it, but I can only imagine there must have been some pushback from 
schools or communities as well. Like, like as as you mentioned, it was a tricky time in in Australian society. Like, let alone trying to force feed schools on this new, um, probably yeah, foreign way of thinking about things. Like, it must have you must have also gotten a lot of pushback as, at the same time. Yeah, look, pushback comes from all different angles too. Pushback can just come from uh, not another initiative, you know. Yeah. It, it, school, you know, when you've been around schools long enough, you know, yeah. initiatives come and go. Pushback can also be around this is not the work of schools. Why are schools having to do this? It can, and it can also be our curriculum's already crowded. Why are we trying to put in something else? Yeah. Um, we don't have the time. We're tired. We, you know, we can't fit it in. We know it's important, but all that sort of stuff. Yeah. We also though get the other resistance and backlash which comes with anyone who does work around gender equality and that's that what about men what about boys yeah. um this happens to men too absolutely not denying any of that and we and um we had to do a lot of conversations with our schools and our communities around that sort of stuff as well but supported by all of the the women potent, particularly women the leaders who who walked these paths for for 20 30 40 years we were walking on their shoulders, really, and carrying yeah. in the work that had been done before us. We were not, yeah. we were not the trailblazers. Yeah, um, the path had already been, you know, worn before, and we yeah, were, and we were just continue yeah. that ball and that momentum rolling, yeah. so it doesn't picking fizzle up, out. Picking up the yeah. baton, really, and uh, yeah. keeping it going, and great support from organisations like Gippsland Women's Health, yeah. um, Respect Victoria, our local shires. You know, some really great people in our communities who were doing this work and supporting yeah. us in RR as well. And, and, I, and I worked been, with yeah. Sorry, you I go. worked with Anna, I was going to say I worked with Annabelle Barbara, who was our my my colleague at that time. Yeah. I don't know if you remember. Nah. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Vaguely. Yeah. Yeah. So the the respectful relationship stuff, as as you're saying, some really powerful and really important sort of work as well. And you and your team that you're working a part of as well were really sort of. Um, big in, as you said, raising awareness for that in, in schools as well. So that yeah, must have sure. been some really proud and, like, you must be really proud of that work again as well. Yeah, for sure. Also, a steep learning curve. Um, yeah. A lot of my colleagues across the state had come from backgrounds of uh, basically feminist activism or um, gender equality work or family violence work. Yeah. As well uh, as you know, teaching backgrounds as well? Uh, no, mixed bag. Some of yeah. them had been, uh, you know, working in family violence prevention. Some had worked in family violence response. Some of them were social workers, nurses, all different backgrounds coming yeah. into this work. Um, no, there was there were some teachers um, yeah. and then a mixed, mixed bag across the state. So, yeah, of course. But for me, I kind of, I didn't know a lot about that work and it was a very steep learning curve. Yeah, yeah. I went in. I went down into the learning pit, James, and uh, I kind of, <laughs> yeah. um, I kept, you know, I kept thinking, I kept clawing my way out and going, I think I've got it. No, nah, I haven't got it. Yeah. Back so what, into the pit. What sort of areas would you say your learning curve was in, like as far as how to teach teachers or like um, how to not push on such an important message, but to sort of like gain people's interest and then support as yeah. well with it? Yeah, good point. There was certainly a bit of that. It was also around the whole prevention framework and and understanding what drives family violence, what drives gender equality, um, gender inequality, what drives yeah. um, family agenda based violence, what what drives all of that. I yeah, I 
I, you know, I thought like a lot of people think. I thought it was stress, alcohol, um, poverty. I thought yeah. it was, you know, lots of those things. And it took me, it took me a long time to really get my head around actually what drives gender-based violence and yeah. family violence is gender inequality. Yeah. Um, but I really, I had to really do a lot of reading, a lot of professional learning, yeah. talking to experts in the field. Uh, examining my own life, examining, you know, what was going on around me. I had to do a lot of unlearning yeah. Yeah. and a lot of relearning. Yeah. yeah. But that must have been fascinating yeah. too because I know when um, I think it, you must have shown the video, the one of um, where a mum and a daughter are in front of the bookcase. Do you know yeah. which one I'm talking about? Yes, I do. And it's like let's take yeah. out all of the stories where a female is de- depicted as like a damsel in distress or whatever and straight yeah. away like i want to say 60 percent of the books are taken out and yeah. then i can't remember what they are but just that image and that's an image that will stay with me forever because to me that's where a lot of kids are first exposed to the inequality that you're talking about is that yes. it's ingrained in these fairy fairy tales and the stories and they're their favorite books and their favorite movies, like it's subtly ingrained into them. So then that's yeah. where they're first picking it up too. So, yeah, absolutely, James. And it's that whole message of you: if you can't see it, you can't be it. Yeah. And um, and whether that's you know around race, culture, gender, um, disability, you name yeah. it. You know, we've got to get better at at making sure that we are exposing our kids to variety yeah. you know and diversity yeah and and, and having yeah. yes yeah yeah we've got to be much better about that and, and it really and you know yeah. it really so, highlights as well how powerful language is as well because yeah. like so many things like um you throw like a girl or um don't be such a girl or man up like these little yeah, things yeah. that even in my lifetime have been common language or Yes. Um, cliches per se, you know, like even the way we say these things and the colours that we give boys and give, we give girls, you know, like it's just all such a massive cultural sort of thing. Yes. Yeah, the inequality is massive and so subtle in some areas as well. Very and all pervasive and we've got yeah. to keep fighting it all the time. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, and even yeah, I still right. now pick myself, like stop myself and think, oh, that that's not right. I, I can't be saying those sort of things, you know. And yeah. yeah. And you know that that's actually okay because it's that it's that understanding that we're all learning. We're yeah. on a learning curve. We, and, and it's what we do next. Yeah. You know, so we can we can make a mistake and think, well, don't throw like a girl or whatever, but it's what we do next. Yeah. And, and what we do after that. And they're so um, like I know I've do I do it less now, but every now and then I'll say something in front of my kids and it might not be gender inequality stuff, but stuff that may not sit right with me or um, might not be ex- accepted in society. And to me, it's like, great, not great that I've said it, but great that I've recognised that I've said something like that because yeah. that in itself is then a teaching yes. point in front of the kids as well. Yes, and If you can Absolutely. get one child that's like, oh, yeah. Mr. Curl made the mistake, but he owned it, he accepted it, he taught us why yes. that's not okay, you know, like that's one. And he hasn't repeated one. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so true. Yeah. You know, it's it's really interesting that harm we do to our our little boys and to our young men 
despite you know saying to them to man up, not be a wuss, yeah. not be a simp. What all of those sort of comments that we that, that society throws at them. Yeah. Like even the other night on an Australian story, there was a, it was a story about a heavy metal band. Uh, I think they're called the Pathways. Kind of bit yeah. out of my genre, but they were um they were really un, unearthing some troubles within the band, and and at one point, the the guy who'd kind of been uh, not not great in terms of his behaviour towards the other other members of the band. Yeah, he he got a bit teary, got a bit emotional, and he then at the end of the show he said, "I've probably lost a few friends by sh- by showing emotion tonight." And I'm like, oh, "Really, yeah. Yeah. mate? If you've lost friends because you're showing emotion, they're kind of not good friends." Yeah, they're not the friends you want around. So yeah, and even that idea of like boys can cry too, you know, and boys yeah. have emotions and. Just yeah. as powerful emotions as girls have, they just might express it differently, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's and it's not accepted, unfortunately. Yeah. And we've got to break that. We can't, yeah. we can't let that happen. You know, we know, we know where that ends up, James. Yeah, and like that, that work. Like one of my good mates, Kingy, was um, I think he did it for about six months. Was going out into schools doing what I imagine was similar work to what you were. I'm not sure if you guys uh, crossed paths. Yeah. I'm sure you would have crossed paths, but. The stuff he was telling me and even some of the barriers he was breaking down still now, like this would, would have yes. only been last year, some of the barriers he was still breaking down is mind-boggling, you know, that people still have exactly. these misconceptions yes. about things like that. So, And, and there and attitudes around stuff. Yeah, the attitude and, yeah, um, is a big one for sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, even even that thing that um, you know we, we might say to kids, oh, he he only he's only hitting you because he likes you. And how many times might we kind of say that in a school? Yeah. You know, particularly around that year five and six. Yeah. And uh, what are we what are we doing when we're saying that? Yeah. We're con- condoning violence. And, yeah. Um, you and know, it all even it all comes back down to it to a certain degree. I think it all comes back down to the way we express our emotions as well. You know, because like. Yeah liking someone is still an emotion um and if we can't express that in a healthy way well we're not helping the overall cause at all are we yeah that's right and that brings yeah. in that whole thing about consent education as yeah. well yeah um, yeah which is which became part of that respect for relationships work as yeah. well you know there's a great that that curriculum that goes with respect for relationships is absolutely fantastic yeah as the two components really that yeah. social emotional component and then the respect for relationships or consent yeah. and consent education component. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll, that was probably my favourite thing was running workshops for teachers yeah. face-to-face, especially yeah. Yeah. groups of teachers around that curriculum was those days were the biggest buzz. Yeah, um, and because you just absolutely like, loved it. Just as you would in, in your classroom, you would have seen yeah. light bulb moments and shattered windows and things in their minds as well, yeah. just yeah. Yeah. coming in and exposing them to that stuff, so... Yeah. And it's such an active curriculum as well. Yeah. So, you know, you had teacher, teachers up out of their seats doing activities and participating in the, the yeah. collaborative learning strategies that the kids will be doing. Yeah, the same um, the same stuff, yeah. yeah. And yeah, it is such fantastic. a discussion-based stuff too. Like there's – Yes. When I'm teaching it, there's not a whole lot of, right, sit down, write this, and there's no assessment per se at, at the end of it and no multiple choice questions. Like it's all hands-on involved in discussion and yeah you know even it goes social emotional learning if we're not if we're not learning social and emotional learning with other people yeah then it's it's not we're not really learning anything. not learning it at all yeah, yeah. so you did that been, for how, how long yeah. were you doing that 
work for? Yeah, 2017 up until about March or April this year. Yeah, until another opportunity came yeah. up. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and so now I'm what they call the Regional Inclusion Outreach Coaching Coordinator. Big mouthful. Surely, surely there's an acronym for that. <laughs> yeah, there is. You ready for it? RIOC. RIOC. Yeah. <laughs> the department and their acronyms, eh? Yeah, you've got to yeah. love it, haven't you? Yeah. But that's another thing. Every time you change jobs, you've got to learn all the acronyms. Yeah. <laughs> but this is a re- regional job and it's actually a, a new statewide initiative and really what it's called a disability inclusion yeah. initiative, really. And so it has a lot more, lot more pieces to the puzzle than the work that I'm doing. My work is just one small part of that whole puzzle. Yeah. And um, essentially what our whole aim is, is that all all students can learn. All students uh, should be given every opportunity to learn and and we should be removing all barriers to their yeah. learning. Um, and with those strength, barriers might be... With the strength-based approach as well. Yeah, as you, as you absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so I'm really fortunate I get to work with this amazing group of teachers yeah. who are so passionate and intelligent and um, resilient and patient and thoughtful and kind. And they really want to see change for our kids and they, they can go into a school and work with a school. They can work with teachers. They can do coaching. um, They can run professional learning. They can have conversations about problem solving around different things that schools are going through. And uh, yeah, fantastic group of people to work with. And just loving that at the moment as well. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. And seeing the potential of it and seeing hopefully where it will go for our kids because we need yeah. to make some changes, you know. Um, we need to make yeah. sure that all kids no, can Knowing learn. a little bit about that, I'm excited to see what it's going to look like and I'm excited to see the hopefully the positive changes it makes to our our funding and our, um, yeah, our disability inclusion of students with those sort of needs. Yeah, and and thinking about it from you know even that intersectional lens, you know that idea that if we we're, something I learned in respect for relationships too, and I was probably new to the party, but that idea of you know people people may have a cultural, um, they may may come from a minority group, then they may be um, a, a gender diverse as well, they may have yeah. um, a disability, and so that idea that that people don't, they're not one dimensional. And so that we really need to be thinking of the whole person and seeing them that way and removing all barriers to learning. Yeah. I think that's a really big one too, like all barriers as well, because there's probably some barriers that I'm thinking that I couldn't even imagine would be a barrier that are probably barriers, you know, like, and it's just, again, same with that respectful relationship stuff. It's just about raising awareness and allowing teachers to, see um and teaching them things they don't know because you don't know what you don't know at the end of the day and yeah perfect that's one of my favorite sayings james is you don't know what you don't know um i think if we we keep that in the back of our mind yeah it's uh, a really good one yeah for sure i love i love your open-mindedness to this to this work too yeah yeah so what's next for you like obviously this is a pretty (laughs) big initiative do you see yourself doing this for a little while to come yeah i hope so I'm I'm also very conscious that you know after 31 years in education I'm yeah. probably starting to come towards the end of my career you know yeah, in some right. ways and I uh, I don't want to I don't want to uh, I don't want to just drift off through yeah. the next part of my career I want to keep going strong and hard as yeah. long as I possibly can and while I feel like I've got something to learn and something to offer 
Yeah, absolutely. Who and who knows? You may end up back at Tura if the stars align. <laughs> hey, that that wouldn't be a bad thing. Yeah. Love, as I said, I've always had a soft spot there for sure. Yeah. It's, uh, well, yeah. Look, thank thanks for coming on. Um, it's been awesome to hear the. I didn't realize it'd been thirty one years in in education, but it sounds like you've done so much yeah. really rewarding and really sort of proud work that you've been able to do over the years. Yeah, for sure, James. What it just reminds you that time goes very, very fast. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one, one minute you're a uni student, you know, wondering where your next buck's going to come from and yeah. where you're going out on the Saturday night, and the next minute, you know, you, you're starting to think about what next in terms of, yeah. you know, the, your um, transition to retirement potentially. You know, yeah, yeah you you don't want to don't miss a day, James. Like don't don't miss an opportunity. If opportunity yeah. knocks, you um you push that door open. I think that's really great advice. So thank you, Andrea. It's been great chatting. Yeah, cheers, James. We'll talk to you later. We will. Thanks very much for the opportunity.